Why is this congregation here? Why are we here today, this evening? What's brought us together? Now here's an astonishing thought. We, we don't think about this, but this is the reality. We are here today because the risen Lord Jesus Christ is still at work in the world. This gathering of people is actually a testimony that uh, this person of history who lived 2,000 years ago, who was crucified and was buried and uh, was raised on the third day and ascended to God's right hand, he is still actively at work in the world today. If you're not a Christian and you're walking in and you think, what is this about? Well, let me tell you, a lot of people in this room are Christians and we are here because the risen Lord Jesus Christ has changed our lives and is changing our lives. And that's why this church is here. Uh, if you have the time, you can stick your, your nose through that door there and you'll see a great big portrait of a guy called Christopher Anderson. And about 207 years ago, he uh, had a vision. He wanted to be a, a missionary. He wanted to go to India and work to share the good news of Jesus, uh, working with William Carey. And the doctor said his health wasn't up to it. And so instead, he decided he was going to plant a church in this city. He was going to be a missionary right here in Charlotte Chapel. And his passion was, was to reach the people who weren't already gathered into churches. He wanted to gather the lost sheep uh, that he believed that Christ had uh, bought in his death upon the cross. And he wanted to go out and proclaim the gospel and gather them in. That's why this church started 207 years ago. Because Christopher Anderson was a thwarted missionary who realized he could be a missionary right here in Edinburgh. Uh, this morning, there was a, a granddaughter of Joseph Kemp. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the way, but you can see Joseph Kemp's name on this, in this uh, wooden table here. And Joseph Kemp came about 100 years ago when the church was almost about to close in 1902. Uh, the, the, the first 100 years, it, the church nearly died, and they were thinking about selling this building. And uh, a few guys said, no, we can't do that. And they called Joseph Kemp. And Joseph Kemp came in 1902. And I think the early years were tough. In 1904, he was in holiday in the, in, the east of, in the south of England. And it's warmer down there, isn't it? Let's be honest, it's warmer down there. So that's where he was. And he heard about the 1904 Welsh Revival. He went there, observed the revival. He brought a Welshman back up here. And they shared what was happening. And they prayed. And then in 1905, they had a mini revival here. And from ha hardly having anybody here, they saw a thousand people come to Christ. So on a daily basis, they were seeing people getting saved. And they knocked down the building that was here, and they built this building and opened it in 1911. Why are you here? Why are we here? We're here because we are part of the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been studying the book of Acts in the evening service, haven't we? And it was a long time ago, but the very beginning of Acts tells us that uh, this is Dr. Luke's second volume. And uh, it, what he's saying is that he, uh, he, in his first volume, he shared what the Lord Jesus did in his life and ministry. In his second volume, he's sharing what the risen Lord Jesus Christ continued to do from heaven through his spirit-filled apostles. That's what this book is about. And so as we engage uh, with a missionary mindset, if you're a member of Charlotte Chapel, what does it mean to be a member? It means you are a missionary in this city. 
you, that we share the same DNA as Christopher Anderson, as Joseph Kemp, that we are here in this city to reach out with the gospel. We are missionaries. We could go to India and praise God. We have sent people to India, and maybe he'll send you to India or some other places. But until he does that, guess what? You're called to be a missionary right here in, uh, in Edinburgh. And the great thing about this book is it just reminds us of the dynamic of, of, of spirit-filled apostles and disciples doing the mission of Jesus and going out. And I think this passage that we're going to consider in Acts tonight is a, is, a, is a great section because it's so honest. It tells you things about being engaged in the mission that actually we would generally tend not to talk about. But it sort of shows you warts and all what the real world of missions is like. Are you prepared to see some nasty things tonight? We're going we're gonna to see some nasty things. You ready for that? Prepare yourself. Well, let's read, shall we? Acts chapter 15, uh, from verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So... The churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. This is God's word. Conflict, circumcision, what a night. Are you ready? Let's go. I want to see three things in the text here uh, to see about the real world of missions. First of all, I want to point out that it is work. We need to see missionary work. What is it? Well, it's described in, in 15 verse 38 as work. John Mark found it too difficult on the first missionary journey. And so he had not continued, it says, with Paul and Barnabas in the work. So to be on mission with Jesus is exciting. It's an adventure of faith. But it is work. Um, it requires effort. It requires thought, it requires energy, it requires focus, it requires toil, it requires pain sometimes. Sacrifice. So what is the work of missions in Acts? Well, there's three T's I want to give you quickly. Firstly, it involves traveling. Look at verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. So back in chapter 13, you can read how God told 
um, the church in Antioch to set aside Paul and Barnabas uh, to this work to which he called them. And the work involved them leaving their homes in Antioch, leaving their church, this amazing church that was thriving, and to head off and to travel to Cyprus uh, where there were no churches and begin to preach the gospel and then head back into the main territory of the southern area of Galatia. And traveling back then was hard. We sometimes grumbled because the flight was delayed. Uh, You know, the train was delayed. Uh, I spoke with one couple who came from America and they said, oh, we had a horrendous journey. What happened? The flight was delayed for 40 minutes. I don't know. How do you cope with that? We worry. I mean, we do. It frustrates us. I can't believe we're not leaving. But it was much harder for them, wasn't it? No, no planes, uh, no cars, no air conditioning, and it was dangerous to travel around. Uh, you took your life in your hands, but nevertheless, they went and they travelled for the sake of sharing the gospel. It took courage to do what they did to hit the road. Next, T teaching again, verse thirty-six. Uh, when they travelled to these cities, they preached the word of the Lord to them. This is the essential part of Christ's mission. This is the the crucial bit, isn't it? Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Proclaiming it. There's something to be proclaimed. It's not merely a dialogue. It's not like, what do you think? Uh, What do I think? There's something you need to know about the God of the universe. There's something you need to know about your state as a sinner. But there's a wonderful news that, that God has done something by sending His Son to, to rescue you from your sins. And you can be made right with God if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, lay hold of Christ at His cross, and you'll be forgiven of your sins and given eternal life. There is news to proclaim. And uh, it's an essential part. And so much so that as you read through the book of Acts, this uh, work of Jesus by his Spirit is described in terms of the spread of his word, isn't it? Acts chapter 6, verse 7, so the word of God spread. Acts chapter 12, verse 24, but the word of God continued to increase and spread. It's like, a, it's, I don't know, is it like Lurpak? We're just spreading. No, it's nothing like Lurpak. But we're spreading the word of God. It's just going out. Um, Acts 13, verse 49. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. How is this word spreading? Does your Bible run around at night time when you're not looking? Does it go on its own? No, how does it happen? How does the word of God spread? People speak it. People proclaim it. People pass on the good news. They talk about Jesus. They share about their hope in Christ. And, they sh- and, and that's how the word of God spreads. So, my missionary friends, uh, we gathered this evening to worship God and to encourage each other as we engage in the mission. Who are you planning to share the word of God with this week? Right? That's why we're here, isn't it? So who... In your diary, have you got a plan to share God's word with this week? It, it's, do you know, it doesn't just accidentally happen. Have you noticed that? Net, things don't accidentally happen for me. You have to plan. What's the plan? What's your plan this week? Who are you going to speak the words of the gospel to this week? Um, was it last year we had that great resource, the word one-to-one, and about 100 packs went out. So I know that some of you have got packs gathering dust in your houses. This would be a great week to take them down, blow the dust off, I think. Who can I share John's gospel with this week? Children off school. You can, you can start reading the Bible with your children. Uh, maybe your spouse is not a Christian. Why don't you suggest, hey, let's 
Come out, let's read the Bible together. Let's read God's Word together. Um, I had an email this week, and a friend of a friend uh, is a business guy up here, and they're saying, look, would you read the Bible with him? I'd be delighted to. He works in one of the big accountancy firms. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting up with him just to read the Bible with him. He's interested to read the Bible. Uh, what's your plan this week? This is how the kingdom of God grows. The word of God spreads, and it spreads through spirit-filled disciples who speak it. What's your plan this week? And if you're involved in any ministry in this church, well, obviously the main bit of it is how we're going to share God's word. What a shame to do all the effort of your ministry and never get to the word. Uh, there's no point doing a soup run if we're not at the same time sharing about the bread of life. There is no point doing all those fun activity, activities for the kittywinkles if there's nothing of the eternal word of God that's going to transform their lives forever. So what's our plan? What's our strategy this week? Uh, do you know Deanna Swingler? Deanna and Jonathan, I think they're away this weekend, but she was sharing with me last weekend how uh, when they, they've got young children, when their young children are invited to birthday parties, the gift they always take is a children's Bible. Uh, and uh, the age that the uh, children are, the Jesus Storybook Bible is a good Bible to give, a simple children's Bible. And they write a little note to the parent, you might need to read this to your child. And they've given about 20 of these away. And they're not Christians, the parties they're going to. They're not wild parties, they're children's parties. But they're handing on these Bibles, right? And actually, she's currently reading the Bible with one of the mums who said, you know what, I've been doing this, but I don't know anything about the Bible. Would you read about it with me? What a great idea. What a great idea. What's your plan this week? And what's the result of this proclamation? Well, verse 36 again. Um, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the, well, actually, in the original it says, the brothers. Let us return and visit the brothers. Isn't that wonderful? People who were formerly no connection with each other, uh, because of putting their faith in Lord Jesus Christ, they've now become brothers and sisters in Christ, who gather together in churches in Cyprus, in Galatia, and he's going to go back around to these people who are, had no connection apart from their faith in Christ and now are brothers and sisters in the family of God. That's the fruit of gospel proclamation. People are saved, uh, people trust Christ, and they join together as believers. And um, the result of uh, Paul going, he goes uh, to speak this gospel which has saved them but he goes to continue to teach them and the result it says at 16 verse 5 so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers isn't that beautiful as we continue to speak the word of god to each other what happens we go deeper into the faith to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, to knowing this amazing God, to, to, to growing in our experience together of trusting him. And daily, they had the addition of numbers. What a thing. This church has known that in the past. Daily adding numbers. Wouldn't it be great to see that? That's why over the summer, uh, Liam is training up growth group leaders uh, who will be launching new Bible study groups in the autumn. We're going to have new Bible study groups Launching and be very exciting opportunity for you to sign up in the autumn, and uh, so that we can strengthen, be strengthened in the faith, and go out and and seek to reach this city. And we pray and trust the Lord would add daily to His church as we go and do that. Notice the third T. Um, 
there's traveling, there's teaching, and thirdly, there's training. Because as we read this section, uh, and as you read throughout the New Testament, you see the Apostle Paul had this passion to take people with him. He didn't just go on his own. He took others with him. He put them under his wing, and he trained them. And so uh, we see... um, even though in Acts 13 it says, the, the Holy Spirit says, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work, they took along John Mark with them. And on the second trip, instead of John Mark, Paul takes Silas with him, as, as we, uh, as we uh, read in that section too. He then picks up Timothy along the way. And it's a key part of the discipleship pattern of being on pattern with Jesus, that actually we learn ministry from others. Uh, if you don't know how to engage in the work of Christ in the world then find an older saint say, teach me. Show me how I can read the Bible with others. Show me how I can be useful for Christ. And there's people in the church who would love to help you know how to do that. And we need to keep intentionally training the next generation to know God's word deeply and teach them how to pass on the gospel to the next generation after them. If we're going to be a church that actually plants lots of churches, then we need to be a whole church who are trained up in ministry that we know how to do this. Uh, Paul commands Timothy, who was his protege, in 2 Timothy 2.2, he says, And the things you heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses, uh, uh, you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. This apostolic passion is to train others who will be faithful to pass it on to people. We will train others. That's the gospel work. So three T's. And uh, it's exciting to um, have our ministry apprenticeship here. We want to train everybody in ministry. We want everyone to feel that they can be equipped to share the good news. They could read the Bible with people one-to-one to find the gifts and ministries where they can serve and be an active part of this mission team here in Edinburgh. But also we want to look for those that we think actually uh, want to con- consider whether to go into paid gospel ministry, and that's why we have a ministry apprenticeship program. And then it's great to see then we've got a pastors in training track where we encourage guys as they head to theological college. And this year I think we've got four people heading off to theological college. Is Jim Gladstone here? I saw him this morning. There, Jim. Are you definitely heading off there? Fantastic. Jim's going. Martin Smith, Ross McNabb, and... Uh, Rachel is going part-time, so we can pray for these guys as they train up and consider what the next stages will look like for them in ministry. And what sort of things should we be looking for for people who might consider this sort of full-time gospel work of mission? Well, take a look at Timothy 16, verse 1. Firstly, he should be a believer in the Lord Jesus. Paul came to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy. Now, this might seem a bit obvious to say it, but looking at the state of many churches in the West today, it's not obvious. I don't think we should miss it. Gospel work can only be done by those who've been transformed by the gospel. You cannot do it. There's an amazing piece in Arnold uh, Darlingmore's two-volume set on George Whitfield where he speaks about George Whitfield getting on a boat to sail to North America to share the gospel and have a very fruitful ministry. And actually, on a boat just coming in from North America, having had a failed ministry, was John Wesley. He had gone to share the gospel... Uh, with the Native American people and try to have an impact. The problem was he wasn't a Christian. 
and his ministry was hopeless. And so as one boat comes in, because he hadn't really got it at that point, another boat was going out with a gospel worker. Minimum requirement, you need to believe the gospel. You need to have been transformed by the gospel. But notice there's more about this guy, Timothy, isn't it? Uh, the believers, verse 2, at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Here's someone with a bit of a track record. Uh, he, you know, here's someone that... Uh, it was obvious to everybody around him that this guy should be heading in that direction. Timothy's got a heart for the Lord. He, you know, we've seen him in action. Yeah, he should be going. And they, and, they send it, and they send him off. Now, can I ask you a question? Do you desire to have the same thing said about you? That others would speak well of you and, and they would be thinking of you in that way. Well, what... What should you do? Well, in my experience, you, you start being faithful in small things. You just do the, the little things that people are asked. You be faithful in those things, and uh, people will ask you to do other things. And uh, before you know it, you can find yourself in all sorts of places. Just do what the Lord puts before you. Do it with all your might. Do it for the Lord and see what he does. And others will commend and uh, tell you whether you've got the gift of teaching, whether, what your gifts are, and whether you're suitable for this role. Get more involved in this church. You'll, we'll tell you. Get stuck in and, and have the humility to say, look, can you help me work out what my gifts are? Uh, would you tell me if I'm atrocious at something so I can focus on something I'm good at? There's a reason I'm not in the singing team. Simon Cowell never gave me my big break. No, I just can't. I can't do it well enough, you know? Um, so work out what you're good at and do it with all your might. Serve, we have opportunity in the Sunday School, growth group leaders, get involved with the International Cafe, IF. Open your home, show hospitality, and look for opportunities to speak for Christ. But there's something else here. In addition to the missionary work of traveling, teaching, and training, we come across this kind of awkward thing, don't we? Missionary conflict. At the start of this second missionary journey, Dr. Luke has to explain why there's a change in the team. And here's honesty in the Bible. It's a sort of incident we would be tempted to gloss over. But here we have the great apostle Paul and Barnabas, the son of encouragement. That's his nickname. He's Mr. Encouraging. And they have a big disagreement. Verse 39, a sharp disagreement. Ooh, that sounds painful, doesn't it? A sharp one. Ouch. These two seasoned missionaries, men who knew much of the work of God's Spirit in their lives and their ministries, nevertheless had such an intense argument that in total exasperation they simply had to split because of irreconcilable differences. And it was over the issue of the ministry training. Liam and I have these conversations all the time. Should we take this person on or not? What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it could be good. We haven't split yet. We, we work it out together. It's great. I don't want to lose him. He's great. But this was the issue. Who would be the ministry apprentice? Paul says, look, he bailed out. We, we can't have a flaky guy on the team. He's out. 
And uh, the the word in verse 38 uh, is a very strong word, this withdrawn word. It's a sense of desertion, abandoning. And Paul just doesn't think it's wise to take this guy with him. But Barnabas, who interestingly, you can find it from the New Testament, was John Mark's cousin, which is an interesting dynamic, isn't it, when you've got family involvement as well. His cousin, he wants to give him another break. Now, who's right? Who's right? Well, it doesn't really tell us. Um, it just says that they went in two different directions. Barnabas took John Mark and headed back to Cyprus. And uh, Paul was commended by the church to go with Silas. And off they went. I, I, I actually am encouraged by the honesty of Scripture. A couple of things to point out from this. Firstly, we should not be surprised by conflict in gospel ministry. If the Apostle Paul managed to have a sharp disagreement with Barnabas, then what are the odds that it's going to happen to people like us? I've observed that the sort of people who God calls to be frontline missionaries, to be pioneers, to start new Christian ventures, they tend to have a certain independency of mind. Have you noticed that? And have strong convictions. And uh, if you want an interesting study, go to a mission uh, station overseas where all these missionary independent types get put together. They need a lot of messages about forgiveness and love and stuff like that. Because people rub up against each other and they have strong views. Now, unresolved disagreements are always sad and we should work to maintain gospel unity. But the truth is that conflict does take place. And if you're a new Christian, can I just prepare you that even the most mature Christians can be awkward people. Have you found this out yet? Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. You know, we're all people in transition. We're all people who the Lord Jesus is continuing to change to be more like Jesus. We're not the finished product. Even mature Christians can be pretty awkward. The best of men have feet of clay. There are negatives about all of us. And so don't be surprised or despairing when conflict comes. Because secondly, the mission of Jesus continues despite our disagreements. That's the encouragement here, isn't it? There's, there's a couple of ways we can discern this. Firstly, that John Mark did get another chance. It seems to me that actually Barnabas' strategy did seem to work. Because as you read on the New Testament, what do you find? Well, even later, the Apostle Paul recognized in, in his letter to 2 Timothy, he writes and asks for Mark to come with Timothy, Timothy to visit him because he is very useful to me for my ministry. Isn't that great? The man who flaked out, the man that Paul didn't want, Paul says, oh, he's so useful to me. Please bring him. He, I think John Mark is such a great encouragement to all Christians that failure doesn't have to be the final defining thing of our lives. So what's the, the most thing we remember of John Mark? Well, he gave us a gospel. You know, he was probably the scribe for the Apostle Peter. And think about how that gospel has been blessed. The second positive thing is that there's now two missionary teams instead of one. There's a church in Cardiff that started two strong evangelical churches, uh, both gospel-centered and expository Bible-teaching churches, which is great for Cardiff. The only problem was that both came because of disagreements. Not ideal, a bit sad, but there's now three strong churches in Cardiff. We want to do church planting in happy commendation. That's what we want. 
We, we don't want the sharp disagreement, oh, I'm off with my Bible. And we don't want that. We want to do it a happy way. But praise God, he can even use that. We've got two teams instead of one. Thirdly, missionary flexibility. 16 verse 3, it says, Paul wanted to take Timothy along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And if you were here last, was it last week? Or was it two weeks ago? It was two weeks ago. We had church of prayer last week, didn't we? Is that right? No, we didn't. Was it last week? You Sunday. It was the one before that, wasn't it? That's right. Thank you very much, brother. Um, you will remember that uh, we looked at Acts 15. What was the big issue in Acts 15? Do the Gentiles have to become Jews before they can become proper Christians? Do they need to be circumcised and do they need to obey the food laws? And they had this huge big discussion and praise God the result was no. They don't have to become Jews before they become proper Christians. They are, they, they, they are freed from that. And here we've got this incredible thing that actually this team of guys are going out with the good news to the church to tell them that you don't need to be circumcised. And uh, oh, Timothy, before we go, <clears throat> I've got something to share with you. Oh, I don't really want to go with you, Paul. <laughs> but Timothy gets circumcised. Now, what's going on here? Well, in short, he's not getting circumcised because this is the step to salvation. Or this is not the step to being accepted by God. It's more about gaining acceptance from the people that they wanted to share the gospel with. And this is missionary flexibility. And you can't help but be impressed by Timothy at this point. He submitted himself to it because he didn't want to put any stumbling block between himself and, and those to whom he wanted to share the gospel. Uh, in our own context, uh, I think Ian shared this a couple of weeks ago, if you want to reach Muslims for Christ, then you need to give up pork, basically. You might enjoy your bacon, but if you really want to reach the Muslim community, you've got to give rid of pork. And if you're a woman, you might need to reconsider how you dress and be willing even to wear a veil. Not because it's a way of salvation, but because you want to reach people with the good news of the gospel. It's missionary flexibility. And although we're free as Christians, we, we curb our freedoms so that others can know the joy of salvation and relationship with God. This year is the 150th anniversary of over, uh, OMF International. And on Brighton Beach, Hudson Taylor just had a prayerful passion that he wanted to reach the Chinese people and started the Chinese Inland Mission. And central to uh, Hudson Taylor's philosophy, uh, unlike previous missionary attempts, he wanted to, to, in every way, be like the Chinese, adopt their form of dress, eat what they ate. And he, he said this, Let us in everything not sinful become like the Chinese, so that by all means we may save some. Do you know about Hudson Taylor, Kino? You should read about him. He came to reach your China. And uh, it's now the, the OMF. Absolutely fantastic. Why are you here? Why are you here at Shark Chapel? We are part of the work of the risen Lord Jesus Christ who has brought us here 
I mean, he could have sent us anywhere. He might yet send some of you somewhere else. We're praying that God will continue to send people out uh, to cross-cultural context, overseas context. But you know what? Until he sends us elsewhere, he wants us to be missionaries right here, to engage in missionary work of teaching and sharing the good news of Jesus, of training people up in gospel ministry. He, he wants to uh, use us, and uh, we're going to have to work hard to keep loving and caring for each other and uh, not, not get sidetracked if, if sometimes conflict comes. You know, sometimes this happens in church life. We pray that it doesn't. But if it, even if it does, we don't need to despair, for Christ's kingdom is growing. And we need to be those who flexibly seek to find all ways not sinful that we may reach the lost people in this city. Look at uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 40. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. All this work they're about to embark on as they head out on mission with Jesus, they do so totally dependent upon Jesus commended to the grace of the Lord. The church sends them on, not knowing lots of things, but there's a crucial thing that they know. God's grace was sufficient to keep them, strengthen them, enable them, and to, and to, to complete the work that God had given them to do. And that's the same confidence that we can have for this coming week. I don't know whether you're thinking, oh, another week is going to be boring and dull. If you're thinking that, you've forgotten that Jesus has got a mission for you. Be open to who he wants you to speak to this week, who he wants you to reach. Look for opportunities to share the good news. Who knows what God might do through us with the gospel this week? Who knows? How exciting. Let's pray.